There are flowers growing all around a massive animal inside of me and it's so ugly and I'm so broken and I'm so ugly and it's so broken. I am calling all of my friends to pull me out from this hole but they're so caught up in their own shit and I'm so caught up in my own shit and this world's collapsing all inward and its bones are piercing through its own skin but I think we should live together, yeah, I think Maybe I should go into a little yeah, just give, 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 give a little overview there yeah because I, I i know the term schadenfreude but i don't know whether i truly understand what it means as in i i, I know the flippant aspect of it yeah so i don't know you've probably um seen the simpsons episode where lisa explains what schadenfreude is to mm-hmm. um homer and it's the episode in which uh um Oh, who's Ned Flanders is going to open a left a shop for left-handed people? Right, yeah. I have a vague memory of this. Yeah, okay. And Homer walks past, yeah, and sees that the shop is pretty empty, and he's delighted because you know there's holier than thou Ned Flanders, um, and his business is going to fail, which pleases Homer. So Schadenfreude is the experience of taking pleasure in somebody else's misfortune yes and it's often misunderstood as being um uh the actually causing somebody displeasure yeah right for your own feeling of worth which is something that happens with like the kind of like trolling of the internet um yeah i'm gonna cause somebody else uh uh feeling an unpleasant time in order for me to feel better it's not quite schottenfreude schottenfreude is more of allowing the person yeah you get more pleasure yeah when the fucking idiot yeah who was speeding too fast down the motorway you see them further down the road and they've uh either their car engine has exploded or they've or they've had a minor accident or maybe they've had a big accident it's really well i thought that would happen and it's the pleasure in seeing justice of yeah you know that comedian um that said isn't it funny how like when somebody's driving slower than us, they're an idiot. But when they're driving faster than us, they're a maniac. And it's the taking pleasure in the maniac got what was coming to him. Uh, that's shocking. Um, so in in this uh, audio book, I've, I've listened to it three times now, and subbed wow. to it. Um, uh, the um it's got something to do with um our feeling of worth our status in a tribe or in a community um, yeah that drives us to outdo somebody or to have a better story or to to be more important yeah mm. um so when you think about the social comparisons that we make, um, this leads to envy and 
Um, and when we envy somebody, yeah, it's kind of like a direct route to Schottenfreude. So that beautiful mm-hmm. girl in school, yeah, she thinks she's so beautiful, yeah. There's this feeling of lack, like Lacan's talking about. I wish I was that beautiful, uh, yeah. And we're not. <laughs> so when the beautiful girl turns out to be stupid, oh my God, Schottenfreude, yeah, because she might be beautiful, but yeah, she's got like all this misery in her life. Or or um, look at the movie star who's got all the money, all the fame that is desired by so many people, yeah, and this collective schadenfreude of, ah, well, you're getting divorced and you've got a drug habit. Ah, good. Do you, do you think, um, I mean, I, I, I watched this uh, documentary called Feel Good Man the other day, all about the emergence of the Pepe frog and trumpism and stuff yeah and and there was a big thing there where a lot of people latched onto it because they felt like kind of liberals and celebrities and people who perceive that in their mind are better than them were trying to kind of occupy their spaces and 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 so forth and so they very much so the the Pepe the Frog thing was being shared within a, a certain internet culture, and then people like the I know Kardashians and that started sharing this meme as well, and they're like, "No, you're not having it. It's ours." So what they then did was attach the Pepe the Frog thing to all of the worst things because then nobody would want to share it, yeah. and there's and then eventually that led to Trumpism and, and so forth. And I just wonder. Obama coming to power on the back of a social media push mm-hmm. and then and then a whole a whole set of people feeling that they've been lost or forgotten or whatever and is Trump just schadenfreude for those pe- those smug liberal bastards you know <laughs> fucking right he is absolutely yeah. huge dose of schadenfreude a huge dose of ah well, you know how it feels. <laughs> Twelve more years. Could you not have been more threatening to the people that don't like you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got this reality. We've got a man who knows how to do reality TV uh, to be the pantomime villain, as we yeah, yeah. as we've previously talked about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and. That show has everything to do with um, humilitainment. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know because I was actually, well, I was. Uh, you were auditioned for it, weren't you? That's yeah. Right, yeah. I, I could have been like making an arse of myself for the entertainment of people going, oh, look at that idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about, I think Britain's got talent or X factor or whatever. And they were sort of saying about, you know, this, the people with a sob story and winning and the people who make an ass of themselves. And I said, do you honestly believe that everybody that goes to those auditions actually goes and auditions in front of those judges? There's no fucking way. I said, so somebody, a researcher or whatever 
is pre-select is is that you're auditioning for those people yeah and a researcher or a producer is going you're a good car crash i'll put you on the main stage That's you're right. a good sob story i'll put you on the main stage and and, and i said the fact have a you've got to have a collection haven't you? you've got to have right okay potential winner potential car crash <laughs> yeah potential sob story yeah because yeah. even though I'm I'm just a pleb watching the show, yeah, I want I want a range of emotions to feel, don't I? Well, no, and, and 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 if you if you study, you know, you know, go right back to all of the kind of myth making, storytelling, all of these things. If you watch a story, which is basically let's say television, whatever that is, that has no conflict no no tragedy no pathos none of these things it's fucking boring as fuck yes <laughs> although and look at what we've got we've got um a formulaic show that has to tick all these boxes these days yeah <laughs> um, yeah and 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 and, and, so, and so what you get there is your class you know it's not a reality show it's it's a distorted reality show. Facebook is a distorted reality show. Yes, exactly. Yeah. How can we make it? Well, it's basically take the model um, of uh, pay for service, yeah, mm. to get something that's more unique, like we pay our subscription to Netflix because we get HBO quality entertainment paid for and produce uh, the money comes from Netflix to make your show, doesn't it? And yeah. Here's the the, the um, budget of these shows is becoming brilliant, you know, for making awesome entertainment. Yeah, you need the clout of the Netflix now. Okay, so in a way. It's build it and they will come, John. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I think I think the thing with Netflix as well is it's interesting. They never, and I don't think it will necessarily continue. But they so far have not gone down an advertising model, which would surely be potentially a better revenue model in the in the quick cash grab sense. But they've been dedicated to growing a subscription base therefore they have been driven to deliver stuff of a quality that would make people want to keep resubscribing okay yeah it'd be interesting if face if facebook had had the same model i don't i don't see it as being um something that was decided early on i think it was like the natural evolution of their business model. That how, how how can we get people? Yeah, how can we make a uh, a website where you can watch a movie? Well, we, we first of all we need some movies. How do we get movies? Well, we may have to cut a deal with the people that make the movies to actually give them the money. A percentage and a large percentage at that, yeah, mm. because it's online and I don't have any overheads for buildings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah, I can just take an absolutely tiny little cut of the revenue coming in from a subscription. Yeah, mm. and the vast majority 
to the content providers. Uh, and then as we grow as a business, how can I make more money? How can I make more money? Well, I'm going to kill my business if I don't like make it valuable to the people for paying their subscription. <laughs> yeah. So I just think they ended up with this, right, so now have we got enough money to start making our own shows and making our own content? And then in, I don't know, 20 years from now, in a way, um, uh, it's kind of like BBC and the licence fee, isn't it? It's all over again, only um, the BBC was bound by geographic location boundaries. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, I mean, I mean uh, the the BBC knows, and I know this because because my my wife used to work for them. They know if they took their existing model and turned it into a subscription based model like Netflix on the same amount of money that people pay essentially for a license fee, which is I think less per month than Netflix. Yeah the income generated from that globally would be far greater than they ever get from the license fee in the UK. Yeah. Yeah. So in fact, they've been, they've been preparing for it for some time in the eventuality that that happens. Yeah. But I think they may have missed the boat, John. Uh, no, they've probably, they've probably missed the golden moment now because there's so many subscription services. It's going to become a fragmented market. Disney, Apple, Netflix, Hulu, and, and so on. Um, that, I mean, I think I, I think well, you're going to see it. I think you're going to see sometime in the next two to three years that Netflix will run an ad, an advertising version, so you can either go. For, you think? I, I can see them doing it. I can see um, that um, you may have these companies actually merging well that will happen inevitably as well yeah yeah i think i think that um uh disney will continue to make the mandalorian that will bring in revenue but i think people will do this they'll just um uh subscribe to disney for the mandalorian season for like one month binge watch it cancel their yeah, cancel their subscription. I know that's what I think about doing, but uh, actually getting onto Disney Plus in Japan is a bit bloody difficult. So I haven't bothered. <laughs> and I think, right, okay, I will I will leave it until such a stage where there's like five or six seasons of Mandalorian, binge watch the whole bloody lot in a month and spare myself having to subscribe and unsubscribe. I mean, I, fi I find myself doing that. I, I subscribe and unsubscribe to HBO on and off throughout the year. Wow. Um, I have done the same with Amazon Prime. I got very quickly fucked off with Amazon Prime, but there's a lot of good stuff on there as well. But it's just, um, I, I stay probably loyal to Netflix because I started on Netflix when they used to send me DVDs even, you know. <laughs> you, know you know, John, the more I think about it, there's been an idea that's come into my mind from time to time, but it's like a subscription management app <laughs> that'll basically like handle the um, subscribe for this period of time and then unsubscribe cancel so automates all of that for you so that you can set up mm. like, your i calendar or 
you can set up your um, calendar system to be right. This is the period where I'll be subscribed to this, or there's a new season of Better Call Saul. I'm going to subscribe to Netflix during that. Yeah, or I'll wait until it's all been done. Yeah, because I think that actually um, combined with like a spoiler blocker, <laughs> you can actually um, spend your life not needing to watch the latest episode to be part of the community these days. I think that's happening more and more, is that um, remember the days where we, we watched, we only had two channels in the UK. We had, uh, what was it, BBC? No, we had three channels for most of my life yeah. until Channel 4 came along. And then we had four. True, channels. true. Okay, so we did have the water cooler moment. Oh, did you see EastEnders last night? Oh, wasn't that funny? Blah, blah, blah. And when we have this... Um, uh, um, a, collect a collective experience, yeah, yeah. Collective experience. And that's happening less and less as the actual subscription models have diversified because I don't know if this person subscribes to the same service and it could be socially embarrassing to actually go, oh, did you see The Mandalorian? Oh, you're not subscribing. Now you've got a little bit of awkwardness about, oh, I can't really kind of talk about it with you, mate, because I know what happened and you don't. And as things, you see what I'm saying? No, no, for sure. And I, it, it's really interesting to me that do you notice we take it as a given that everyone we know subscribes to Netflix? Well, but we don't take it. We don't take it as a given that they're subscribed to many of these other services. I notice it like when you share something that you, you've listened to on Spotify, and I don't, I don't subscribe to Spotify, so I'm like. Right. Oh, John, didn't you know that he doesn't know And they go, oh, of course he doesn't. You know, um, like, there's no malice involved. It's just, like, in a way, it's like, oh, yeah, surely everybody. <laughs> you know, I can't think of why you wouldn't. Um, again. Well, it's, cause it's also because the share button is, in, is often integrated. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. I mean, I suppose most of the things I would share and maybe I share tracks on Spotify. I don't know, but but usually it's a podcast, and then yeah, yeah. I would, I kind of assume that if you don't have Spotify, you can at least find out where the where it is. It's like there is. I get really annoyed at podcasts. Podcast, and it's probably being propagated via iTunes and many other um, services. Um, yeah, but it's it, it's funny it's funny how some podcasts aren't. I was listening to a John Ronson documentary series that's only available on Stitcher. Okay, and I was really I was really irritated that I couldn't get it on Spotify because I I have I've kind of invested into Spotify in the sense of it's it's I think if it was just me, I'd probably have switched in and out of it. But it's a whole family. Well, I think it's a shrewd investment. Um... For sure, especially now. Haven't Spotify got Joe Rogan now? Um, didn't he leave? Oh, possibly. YouTube? Um, yeah. Oh, I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's he's done some big deal with them, hasn't he? I think so. Yeah. Um, so um, it's in a, in a way, it's um, 
like you were saying, the disruption then becomes uh, goes full circle to well goes half circle to solidification and then back down to disruption again. Well, it, it's funny because I probably spend more money on Spotify a month than I would have traditionally spent on iTunes or on albums per month. Right. When I right. add it up, because I, yeah. I didn't buy an album every month, and I pay I pay twenty dollars a month for Spotify. That's a like a family package, but you know, a, a really interesting thing, John, is this idea to actually build an app that handles your subscriptions. Yeah, mm. that's also in danger of having algorithms that know you better than better than all these individual services. They, Wouldn't it be funny though if you, if if you had an app that managed all your subscriptions and one part of it is it tells you how 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 much usage or value for money you were getting because if it oh. says that you spend twenty dollars a month on this and you only watch yeah. two minutes yes that could be very valuable to the consumer to know that actually yeah I mean I I pay absolutely I I mean I subscribe to Netflix okay. Mm. And I subscribe these days. It's been more recent to uh, Audible. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do. I'm sort of like it, I've got two credits worth of books, and they'll always be sitting there, giving me the option when I actually because I I buy inexpensive books from the Kindle store. Um, yeah, my Kindle e-reader. But occasionally a book will be available for Kindle and it will be, say, I don't know, $27 US. Um, um, I don't know why I work it out. It's because like, I have um, yen as my currency, but my um, books are in uh, um uh, Amazon.co.uk for my Kindle because I bought it in the UK, etc., etc. Anyway, long story about that. But like, so I actually think of books in US dollars so that I can actually work it out in yen in my mind because my my brain is so wired to thinking in yen that I don't even understand what the value of pound is anymore. <laughs> so like, how much is that worth? I don't know what a pound is. I, I've only got like six years ago what the value of a pound was. If you get my bit, no, no, for yeah. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really, no, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the same, yeah, yeah. With, with Norwegian currency, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so we end up like going to the World Bank kind of de facto dollar value because, and also yes. with yen, it's like one hundred yen is one dollar. So the maths is really bloody easy to go. Yeah, 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 or whatever. But uh, there's a threshold of if it's too expensive, then I use a credit to get the audio book version. And so a lot of academic books, yeah, are more expensive, yeah, because they're not bestsellers. And so, no, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, so I tend to like, like this, um, book that I've been reading or listening to should i say um uh, what was it called the joy of pain uh schottenfreude and the dark side of human nature mm. 
and I had, and it was about twenty seven dollars or something like that. It's like I'm not paying that. I was just kind of interested in this stuff, like briefly on a whim. Uh, wonder if it's available on Audible. Oh, it is. Oh well, I've got three credits. I'll use one of my credits. No problem. Done. And I loved it. And I thought, right, okay, so I've been listening to that, like, basically um, once in a while, like, I'll have it playing while I'm actually sitting down, um, just pottering around the apartment, doing a bit of tidying or something like that. Um, no, I, I, I've been listening to Utopia for Realists. That's the... Okay. Which I I think why am I why why am I I think I'm leaning into that because I wanted to hear some pragmatic kind some very pragmatic ways that somebody was trying to say that the world can be a better place because human human nature isn't necessarily dark and selfish and so forth. It's just maybe we're being geared that way at the moment. That's how we 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 set up our reward systems and so forth to benefit that i do wonder by talking to like my teenage children there is a shift about uh, i don't know whether this is a norwegian teenage thing or a global thing there seems to be a shift in that mindset of a better sense of egalitarianism and and maybe a less focus on status in the traditional senses but i think there are status in new ways but those new statuses might 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 be maybe more positive than the just pure neoliberal stuff that we have now. I don't know. I don't know. I've just you've just reminded me of a like a, of a book I've put on my wish list. It's only um, about six dollars or five dollars. It's about about five dollars, I think. It's called Oh. It's called Arseholes, a field guide how to deal with difficult people at home and at work. <laughs> <laughs> the title Arseholes jumped out at me. I thought that sounds like a good book. And and basically the algorithm the, the algorithm who's noted that I've actually bought two books on Schottenbroider in the last week has gone, ah, oh, he's really into understanding why people are arseholes. <laughs> So it's kind of thrown out there. So I think um, one of the one of the things that came up in this conference today was either a book or a paper called "Bullshitters: Who They Are and What Do We Know About Their Lives." <laughs> right. So and I, I I wrote that down. I thought that's a good one to read. <laughs> I I I honestly think that um, the people who don't display um, the traits of an arsehole are just better at repressing their their feelings or not disclosing the fact that they really are an arsehole. I mean, I'm an arsehole, I would say. Um, well, we probably all are. We, we all are. Yeah, in, in certain contexts. trying to say. Um, like somebody I know, a good friend of mine, actually, I was, uh, I was, like, and it could be done in Kruger, of course, um, as as it, it may well be. But I was um, trying to explain it 
through the context of the pandemic and saying, well, okay, let's let's just say, because I know this person is similar to myself in regard to the wearing of masks. And so I was saying, okay, so if you see somebody not wearing a mask on a train, yeah, um, would you cry if you saw them in the newspaper a week later? Yeah, recognize them and oh dear, they've got the virus. Would you would you not think serves them right? Yeah. They got what was coming to them. Yeah. Or yeah. or or my extreme, good, I hope they fucking die. Yeah. Like that and my friend was oh, no, I would never wish anybody death or whatever. I'm like, really? Because I think that's bollocks. I think that's bullshit. I think everybody has these feelings. That's not necessarily whether these feelings are right or wrong. Yeah. Because yeah. what Schottenfreude is actually is like the combination of two words in German. Um, the Schotten part is shameful. And I think Freude is joy. So it's shameful joy. Shameful joy. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Uh, that we shouldn't really be feeling good that we have this feeling. Yeah. It's shameful. We shouldn't we shouldn't, like I'm doing, say, ah, oh, brilliant. Because I've always felt this, but being too ashamed <laughs> to actually disclose this is what I really feel. It's like Carl Jung, I've repressed it into my shadow. It isn't in yeah. my persona. Okay. Some, some, somebody said to me the uh, a couple of weeks ago, whatever your darkest thought is, there's somebody out there doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think like when you 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 can sometimes hear people like I think maybe I think maybe one of the reasons I quite liked comedians who were very in your face is I was like they're saying some of the things I think. Yeah. Well, that, that's also like I think one of the one of the chapters um, draws upon the roots of comedy, and yeah. Schottenfreude is in that. Um, and so, so seeing as it's like, let's say two weeks ago, I wouldn't have even known the word. Yeah, so I'm definitely in the territory of uh, Dunning Kruger here. But um, the more that I'm exploring it, the more connections it has with. Like, I can see it in the social dilemma and I can see it in everyday life. In fact, I see the way in which my um, uh, my whole um, office system is designed with Schottenfreude in mind. The competitiveness mm. of um, the system um, is definitely it's definitely visual <laughs> i can look at people that i work with and see the absolute glee when let's say a regular client of mine doesn't book me or cancels there's a certain amount of good <laughs> he's getting too many lessons <laughs> um you know um is is I mean, is there an element as well that in the absence of 
like going back going back to that point of like wouldn't it be good if there was a book that told us like how like what would the what was the right social way of doing it and not and that be absolute and books isn't it like it's kind of crossing well no but i also is schadenfreude kind of essentially maybe back in the day if something happens to somebody we just said god did that or yeah i think i might have messaged you about it and i've forgotten about it up until you just mentioned that um Back in the day, we used to put people in uh, stocks or pillories. Yes. I, th- I actually had to look up. <laughs> I looked up on Wikipedia <laughs> as a source of uh, very uh, valid information, I think. Um, what's the difference between a, the stocks and a pillory? Because I didn't know. And I thought... Uh, no, I don't know, actually. Enlighten me. I shall. I shall. <laughs> Seeing as it's fresh in my mind, because it was only a couple of days ago, I was like, "So, what do, do I do I do I have to pay that this is verified truth, though?" Later, John. Later. Okay. Later. With, this, with is, a, this is this is this is this is IOU. We have a pint in a London pub one day. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, pillory is with your hands and your head. Um, like hung, yeah, 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 and you're standing up. Gotcha. Stocks, you're sitting down with your feet, so you cannot escape. Oh, okay. Because I always thought the one with the head and the arms was a stock as well. Yeah, so did I, and I, I seem to think that a lot of people believe this. It's become like, uh, um, uh, what's I call it? Um, Oh, the um, most people know the word stock, but they don't know the word pillory. Okay, so it's used as a generic term for both. Um, it's interchangeable to most people, to the layman. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But actually, if if someone wanted to get on their high horse, like myself, okay, mm. actually that's not a stock. That's a pillory, dear friend. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. <laughs> um, because I'm an expert, you see, and it's not done in Kruger. <laughs> um, it's interesting that we use the term we pilloried that person. We don't say we stocked that person. Yeah, right. Isn't that interesting? Uh, <laughs> uh, now, now where I, the reason why I was thinking about it came from, um, in a way, the uh, um, humilitainment of these days, we don't put people into pillories and throw rotten vegetables and tomatoes at them. We put them on reality TV shows. <laughs> yeah, or, or we also we pile on them on Twitter and Facebook or whatever. Indeed. There's something. I mean, that, 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 there's a really good book um, by John Ronson called So You've Been Publicly Shamed. Yeah. And it, go, it goes into that phenomenon and why, why do people, and, and I mean, that that is essentially what what virtue signaling or attacking somebody for virtue signaling or or um i mean there there are there are so many different phrases now for basically the same phenomenon isn't there of of that kind of so so actually what we've got going on is a system in the world in which um we've always needed um to satisfy our desire for um, that feeling 
of status via social comparison, okay? And we can socially compare up and we can socially compare down. Um, in fact, there's a book I've got on my reading list, which is all about the differences between um, social comparison, upward social comparison and downward social comparison and, and what this all means. Like that, like, like that sketch with uh, Cleese. I know my place. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. Um, that's absolutely right. That's the that's what it's all to do with. Now, why does it? Why does social comparison exist? So the reason why is there's no metric on I've done enough. Yeah, yeah. When we lived um, in small tribes in caves, yeah. The only thing with subjective, um, uh, with a subjective uh, question such as, have I done enough? Let's say, have I picked enough fruit to survive the next week? Well, if I was on my own, I would say, yes, I've, I've, I've picked enough. I'm happy. But now that I live in a group, that family picked more fruit than our family. I obviously haven't done enough. So I better go out and pick more. Because I, and, and then we get to the Ned Flanders guy who has his foreign beers on tap. And that feeling that I'm not quite as good as him. Therefore, I start to get a certain amount of pleasure when he does something or makes an adventure that goes wrong. And that's his fortune that I take pleasure at, that schottenfreude. And so looking at the way my friends say, oh no, I would never feel bad about someone else. I'd never wish them death or injury or something like that. I was like, oh, okay then. Yeah, I'll, I'll let it go. Inside my head, I was going, bullshit. We, we, you've just essentially, you've managed to repress it. Yeah, and maybe your answer to me is honest because you like to think of yourself as someone who would never do it. And it's become a cliche. Oh, I'd never say that. Oh, I'd never do that. And we've essentially bullshitted on ourselves so much that we no longer even consider it. But when we study the psychology of it, we realise that we do it. And this is why we do it. And there's nothing wrong in doing it because we all do it. Some of us are just aware of it. And some of us have become blissfully unaware and it's that blissful ignorance that yeah i'm all right mate yeah. no wouldn't we any harm <laughs> but is that the bait i mean is so this is going to be a really crude crappy way of trying to, to 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 get my own head around it i mean is is something like the holocaust yeah the worst possible case of schadenfreude because at some point somebody thought a group of people had something over people and then they all kind of went well you somehow justified it in your mind well they deserve that and, and and be it the holocaust or be it the way mexicans are treated on the border of america or the way muslims are treated about certain do you know what I mean your mind is not, definitely not going in a crappy way in fact there's a whole chapter on the holocaust in my shot and oh okay yeah because it is absolutely what you're saying, um, that Hitler's rise was 
because, you know, in the same way that Trump's going after the Mexicans, they're all rapists at the beginning, etc. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, what that's doing is it's also slightly trying to remove the shame bit of it so you only feel joy in it, and then that justifies the action, right? Well, yeah, like uh, hiding in plain sight. Like, yeah, yeah. let's and, normalize and... this so that people can actually say it out loud and not feel guilty or shameful about it. When you were describing this notion of like this there's no metric for when you've done enough or da 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 yeah. it's interesting because there's an element of like the the chinese social credit system that seems to be trying to basically bring that in you know people you know based on your behavior algorithmically and all the things that you do you're given these social crediting scores very black mirror okay yes but then does that also justify those that are not doing what they should in the sense of the, the way who, whoever has come up with what the criteria is, then you can make it okay to put those people in a re-education camp, which is basically genocide. Yes. Yeah. Dangerous stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. When, when farmed out on scale or on mass, like the... Uh, well, it, it, well, it, it, it's, it's, it's the same. I mean, schadenfreude, I suppose it's also true. I have heard or seen people kind of when 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 a when a boat full of migrants drowns people go well they shouldn't fucking be coming here yeah exactly yeah yeah that the basically actually um uh the the misinformation model has allowed them to um form their opinion but they've actually had to suppress vocalizing it but now we've reduced the shame bit of vocalizing it. Yeah. So essentially what we're seeing is... Um, the shadow it, is coming into the persona. Yeah. And and with this murder... And we're okay with it. And we're okay with it, yeah. Um, or we're becoming normalized and immune to its effect because it's what we witness more and more of slowly, slowly, slowly as we watch um, uh, society unfurl um but, it, but is it also i mean was it I, I think it's steve bannon goes on about this you know he goes on about this idea of the fourth quarter and it being basically there's this cycle of human behavior that 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 you go like it's an 80 year period that you go full cycle and is it that we're now in a position where we don't feel shame about feeling these things in the same way that that Europe in the 1930s went through this, and we are going to have to have some kind of catastrophic thing happen to humanity before we all go, well, that all got a bit out of hand. Yeah, yeah, and that's possibly I, where we're heading. I, it's possibly where we're heading. Um, we haven't had the existential threat yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe the pandemic could be that existential threat, but I'm not 100% sure it is um, yet. It's a game changer. It's a game changer, but I don't feel... we've Well, we certainly haven't hit the peak existential threat where enough people have died that people have gone, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said we shouldn't wear face masks. It's exactly. As, I've, as I think we've talked about before, This um, I don't see it so much as... Uh, um, it is a disruptor, but it's basically like putting our foot on the accelerator. And you've, you've 
mentioned this before. Yeah. Sure. I seem to remember you saying about how um, but e-commerce had, had accelerated so much yeah. that we've done in three months what would have taken 10 years ordinarily. So essentially the, the trajectory of um, actually arriving at a dystopian future has been accelerated. And it's only actually um, like as we speed towards this thing that it's going to become something that is more and more understood by people, perhaps I'm being a bit snobbish here, but people with the intellect to actually care enough to study it and see what's going on. Because you can, you can have um, like blissful ignorance but I think there's also a case to be made for blissful um, knowledge. But is it, 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 yeah, because it, it, I suppose it's that hypocritical story about boiling a frog in water. If the boiling is taking place over a very slow period of time, you get boiled alive. If you just try and, you know, like, so what, how World War II came about was the slow boiling of the frog. Yeah. But, but, the finality of it was a bit like dropping a frog in a boiling hot water because there was yeah. a certain point where everyone looked around and went, my God, what have we done? That's and that, br- that brought about, you know, the formation of Europe. Mm. It brought about the the social welfare, the the thing, so many things happened in America. You know, we, we had a pit and it probably only lasted like in, in the true positive sense, probably about 20 years or something, right? Because I, I think it started to falter probably around the time we were born. Do you think that perhaps I'm sort of like going back into um, a political uh, domain now, but if Trump wins re-election, that's a tipping point for something to actually kick off with, right, America, civil war. Well, the thing is, is I think no matter... <laughs> I hate to be this pessimistic. I just feel it doesn't matter whether Trump or Biden wins, there's going to be a civil war. Mm. Yeah, I've, I, that has crossed my mind. It's so down the middle. It's so polarised. Um... And this disinformation stuff has been, you know, the, I mean, the, I, I, I did a little deep dive into the electric boogaloo thing just because I was right. like, I've never, what, what's this? I've never heard of it. It is quite the crew lyric. <laughs> exactly, that, that's what I knew it as. But it's a very deliberate attempt to essentially get a groundswell for a civil war. That's that is it's the tactics of that. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, it's deliberately being I think pushed. I think that, way. that um, I think that. Uh, You've got this aged reptile and addicted to Twitter who's famous for um, his reality TV show. Yeah. And the, and the likes of Bannon um, for, this is great. He's our, he's our kind of stooge Nixon. He's, he's the one that gets us there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, Bannon, Bannon has. I mean, he's. I think he's been quite vocal about this. Hmm. He believes. You know, he he's ultimately an anarchist because he believes that we've got to completely burn it to start again. He thinks we can't be. He he. In some strange way, he kind of wants to kickstart the process to get to the post World War Two scenario. So we build something new and and good. Well, but well, he wants to watch the world burn first. Yes, yeah, and so we've we we've um, arrived at like understanding that um, neither side of the political spectrum is one hundred percent right. Yeah, in a way, boring centralist politics is safe and steady. And, Oh, mustn't grumble. It's the world isn't perfect, but you know it's all right. <laughs> um, also, the the, the 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 similar problem with centrist politics is it always omits the people on the le- on on one end of the spectrum on the left and one end on the spectrum on the right. And what's what's often interesting is I think the things that unite the people on the far right and the people on the far far left are actually more similar. <laughs> yeah, actually, than what what binds the centrists. You see, what what happened in the UK in 1997 um, mm. with Blair? Um, I was actually like when he got elected, I was happy, happy, happy. I thought this is brilliant. It's a bit like when Obama got elected in 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 America. I'm sure. Yeah, that this is great. It all turned out to be a lot of bollocks, didn't it? (laughs) But, like, when we watch The Wire, it's that politician thing of, like, and so you start the job and you realise that every day you've got to eat a bowl of shit. (laughs) No, exactly. And and I think, you know, in both those cases from probably aspects of our own political spectrum, they both did some very good things that achieved some great things, and they also did a lot of equally bad things that are probably just as equally bad as as things done by people we despise on the right. Yeah, right. I, I despise Trump, but uh, the, perhaps the world did need to be disrupted. Um, no, and, and 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 you know we've we we we've had centrist politics going on for quite a long time. Maybe it did need a shakeup because. Blairism kind of killed any form of, of of liberalism in the UK by splitting it and dividing it. Yeah. You know, Thatcher said her greatest invention was Blair. You know, <laughs> um, and and I think I can even now think. Yeah, you know, I I didn't grow up in a family that despised Thatcher. I grew up in an era where I felt affected by most of that. But I can also now way after the fact also see some things that she probably did for the benefit of the UK, but the long-term consequences were were bad. But in the moment, I can understand now that I couldn't understand then. I remember despising her as a wicked witch when she was in power. Um, Mm. I was at the right age for, like, just uh, figuring out how I felt politically. like so she was elected in 79 isn't it 
Uh, yeah, yeah. And I would have been at my last year at um, primary school. And mm. then I, I remember my first year at secondary school, secondary modern. Um, it was the Thatcher era. And by the time I was in about the third year, I'd become switched on to absolutely hating her. It was during the miners' strike that I, I really, really hated her. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, I was, you know, like, if there had been a socialist army, I would have bloody subscribed, I would have joined, and I would have fought. And, and it, when you think about it, um, uh, why? Why was I so stirred up? And it was essentially hardly a that different than what we have going on today, which is I'm, I don't hang out with the people that support Thatcher, but my mother would. And yeah. so, like, there's conflict in the family home um, because little Kevin oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I mean, stupid bloody idiots dyed his hair green. <laughs> and, and he's into all these bloody stupid lefty ideas and uh, it's never going to work. He'll bloody join the Communist Party for all I know. Uh, and, and uh, you know, when you think about all the um, groups you join even before the internet i would i i i started subscribing to various fanzines and to mm -hmm. fans that i was into i would be kind of yeah right on man yeah fuck the system yeah <laughs> and so in a way it was a it was it was the internet of um what were they called you know those machines where you copied like oh yeah i can't remember oh god yeah with the blue paper sort of stuff right yeah it was sort of like our uh, kind of fanzines were like basically instead of like clicking a button to share my post i would get on my typewriter and i'd write what i thought and then i'd go in <laughs> and i would duplicate it on one of them machines and then it would be stapled together and i would then go around maybe on the sub on the london underground or wherever dishing them out on to kids going to a gig of a band that i knew yeah well if you like this group then you'd be into the same animal rights stuff that i'm into so here have this read this mate yeah yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, would be, yeah. I would be sharing my uh concept of what a utopian society would be without um animal experimentation and uh yeah all all these things that i thought was right yeah well it turns out i you know i still believe in the vast majority of them but i've actually looked at other sites on sort of medical experimentation where do i stand on that and i'm not a finished article i'm uh, continually evolving on my journey towards self-actualization and saying yeah well i do believe that but why do i believe that and am i still right to believe that 
or am I changing my opinion? And again, we're too ashamed to change our opinion because we're connected into this little box that we've created around ourselves to go, this defines me. (laughs) And so I can't like actually say anything other than it because otherwise someone's going to turn around uh like someone said oh so you're a flip-flopper like this was uh um, oh yeah yeah that was yeah back in bush era they used to say stuff like that yeah, yeah. yeah and i would be like oh don't you call me a flip-flopper i i've got integrity i i mean what i actually they're fucking right yeah, it's, I don't like the term, and I might take a, a little bit of offence at being called a flip-flopper because they're accusing me of not having the backbone to stand up for what I believe in. But you're just, just really denying me the ability to change my mind based on new information or something coming to light. And how dare you say I can't change my opinion? Because that's what I'm... <laughs> fighting for. Well, then, I, I can't. I think we said this maybe in the first ever episode. Yeah. Um, I think beliefs are like tradition, and and what is it they say? Tradition is just peer pressure from dead people. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I think yeah. beliefs yeah. are just peer pressure from your thought from yourself twenty years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Which seems a good place to stop at the moment because we've oh. we've 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 hit we've hit the the we've probably gone a bit over but um that seems a, the fact that it ties in with the first one is probably a good place to stop eh? i think you're 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 reading my mind john <laughs> kinetically <laughs> <laughs> i'm reading your mind better than facebook oh yes perhaps yes. my brain is has been influenced by the algorithms and that I've grown this super telekinetic intelligence that allows me to read your thoughts. Cool. <laughs> All right, mate. Lovely to catch up. And likewise, John. Always a pleasure. See you soon. See you. All right, mate. Take care. Bye-bye. There are stars that shouldn't be there Plants that shouldn't grow the cleanest fucking sidewalks that this city's ever known Cause when the bitch you're laughing at is coming for your demographic Finally everything is still Terror sounds like quiet, panic sounds like calm All the wars are over from the dropping of one bomb